Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, all of it. This is clearly the most wonderful time of the year. Why is it that you ask it's the most wonderful time of the year? Because we are days away from the college football playoffs and Georgia two wins away from capturing the title in back-to-back years. With us today, Jason Gans, Lawrence Kessler, Tom Ludlam. These are the best of times, ain't they, boys? How are we doing? Well, he's Navi Dodd from Dallas. My, my bells and my balls have been jingling all, all Christmas, so we're, we're excited. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I hope everyone uh, got to where they needed to go safe and sound and aren't freezing their uh, their jingle bells off with the uh, the cold snap we're having here in the South. What'd you just pour there, Lud? Uh, so I have released the Kraken. I got some Kraken spiced rum and put some ginger beer in it for a dark and stormy in tribute to the pirate. Uh, I haven't been back on here since uh, Mike Leach passed away, so I did want to give him a little tribute. Uh, tie it back in. I don't know if anybody's talked about this, but just to tie it back in with the dogs, I wanted to thank uh, Coach Leach for making a bad day just a little better. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember 2008 Georgia-Florida game was the revenge from the celebration, and Urban Meyer took it out on us pretty badly. And that night, Mike Leach and Michael Tra- Crabtree, Texas Tech, uh, was one of the most exciting games I've ever watched on television and uh, made that day just a little bit better. So appreciate it, Mike. Went down to the uh, Davy Jones locker a little too early, way too early, I should say. Uh, he was a great man for football, a great man for the SEC. Cheers. True legend. The stories that have been coming out the last couple of weeks after his death, I've, I've enjoyed and read every last one of them. He's definitely one of a kind. Yeah, he was one of college football's great personalities. You know, he's one of those guys you need, you know, you were going to miss because he was great to have around, whether it was his mid game interviews, his post game interviews, and even the things that he, I think he taught a lot of the journalists on the sidelines around like, just ask me questions about whatever. I don't want to talk about football. I want to get to know who you are. Uh, great coach, great man, and rest in peace to the pirate. So it's been, what, two-plus weeks since we kicked LSU's ass um, at Mercedes-Benz. We'll be back there next week. It's a long delay. Excited, Gans. What, what are we thinking? What's, uh, what's the outlook on, on dogs versus Buckeyes? I like the dogs' chances there. Uh, I think we are superior team. I think we're bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, Ohio State is one-dimensional, it seems like, and that, that seems like uh, they're, they're throwing it around. Um, you know, the dogs are, are strong on, on both sides, uh, strong run game. I think they'll just dominate Ohio State candidly. I'll jump in here. I, you know, I, I agree. I think we are the superior team. I don't think it's that drastic uh, a talent gap, at least at, at their ones. I think we're a little bit more deep in terms of talent. But uh, their, their tackles on offense are really good. Both of them are going to be. Uh, first or second round draft picks. I think Paris Johnson is top five overall pick. Um, they've, they've got some 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 wheels and some uh, weapons on the outside. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, is all world. A few of the other receivers are good too. And I wouldn't put um, I wouldn't put much stock in 
you know, the fact that they're missing uh, JSN and Travion, um, I think they've got, I think they've got guys kind of next man up uh, in that regard, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, talent for talent, you know, I think there's probably three teams in college football that have rosters top to bottom, like Georgia, it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Ohio state in terms of talent. Um, I think we're a better coach team. I think our, our coaching staff top to bottom is head and shoulders better than what Ryan day has assembled in Ohio state. And I think they're in the first year with a new defensive coordinator as well. Um, I take the other side of that lud. I mean, Travion Henderson and JSN, you know, both of them were preseason Heisman trophy candidates and for them to both not be playing um, with the wide receiver opting for uh, preparing himself in the NFL draft Henderson with the foot injury, which I think is a little bit more of an acceptable excuse, uh, I think hurts them. Um, you know, CJ Stroud, you know, Heisman finalist, Stetson Bennett, Heisman finalist. The tail of the tape there is, you know, everybody all day, every day would want to take CJ Stroud, but Stetson Bennett is the big game quarterback coming into this game. So I like our chances with the experience coming into there. Um, Ohio State got handled at home by a Michigan team that I think in terms of like game plans and strategy is UGA JV. Um, and uh, they couldn't stop the run against Ohio State or they couldn't stop the run against Michigan. We have you know, a four-headed stable coming in with hopefully everybody healthy. Um, I, th- I see the dogs winning, and uh, you know I can get into some of the final score predictions a little bit later on. But do- dogs are going to win, and we're going to face off against the Michigan Wolverines in, in L.A. come January 9th. So, so for me, I'm just excited about the matchup and seeing us on the same field as, as Ohio State because I feel like you know, they're the last, you know, so to speak, dragon for us to slay uh, on the on these top programs. I mean, in no order, we took down Oklahoma, took down Alabama, took down Clemson, took down Michigan. Haven't had a chance to play Ohio State since, what, the early 90s when Larry's boy Herbie was actually their quarterback. So it's going to be fun to see us actually be able to, to knock them off as well, shut those uh, fans up a little bit. Um, so statistically, we, we kind of were closer with them than I thought. I looked up kind of the, the overall yardage that we average on offense and we allowed on defense, and we're actually pretty close. You can say what you will about the strength, strength of schedule, but um, we did have a, a much stronger scoring defense than them, almost a, a whole touchdown less. So um, I, I agree with you, Lawrence. I think missing those two players is, is I mean, it can't help them. Um, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. might be their biggest playmaker outside of their quarterback. Um, but we've got playmakers up and down the field, too. So, I mean, Gans, we talked about the embarrassment of riches. Who do you see stepping up in this game for us on the offensive side of the ball? You never predict it, right? Um, it's depending on what their defense is going to give us. They basically have to say, okay, hey, we're going to stop the run today. Okay, if you if you sell out to stop the run, you know, we could sling it all over the field. We're going to take Brock Bowers out of the game. Okay, well, Ladd McConkey is going to go nuts, right? So I think it's more, you know, Munkin will have his game plan. I think it's going to be the most wide open game plan that we've seen all season, right? It seems like we definitely go vanilla against lesser opponents, but that's all out the window now. So I really don't know how to answer your question that way. But back again to the embarrassment of riches, we're fortunate in that we're so balanced across the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball that we could do a variety of things. We know what Ohio State's going to do. You know what Ohio State's going to do. You don't know what we're going to do. Tom, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to, like you said, spread it all over the field and like you said, balance, uh, just to kick it back to Mike Leach. I heard him say one time back in the years where we were lamenting Coach Bobo's have to be 50% pass and have to be 50% run balance. And Mike Leach said, no, that's not balanced. 
Balance means you use every part of the field. You use, you spread everybody out so they don't know where it's going. You know, that's the air raid concept, but we definitely do that in, in our attack um, in terms of using every different weapon we have and every spot on the field. Um, so, yeah, I think on offense, I think we that's that's the best matchup. Um, I think their their defense is not very good. Um, talk about some standouts that they have. This guy, uh, JT Tuimalola, or I don't even know how you say it, um, on the edge. I think that's going to be a pretty good matchup to watch him and Broderick Jones, um, see if he can get any pressure on Stetson. But even if he does, I, I think Stetson can elude and he makes good plays on the run. So, um, yeah, I think we're, get... we're vastly Sorry, superior. I think our offense against their defense is a, is a mismatch. Totally. Do you know how many times Stetson Bennett was sacked this year, guys? No, not, not offhand. He, he, less, less than, than 10. 10, seven times. Um, so I think, I mean, I think there's two things this game comes down to. One is obviously the wide receiver matchup with Marvin Harrison Jr. and their other guy, uh, Ed Bouquet, versus Chris Smith, Starks, and Ringo. If we can limit the big plays, you know, we did that against Tennessee. We did it. I wouldn't say we really did it effectively versus LSU, but that game kind of got out of hand early. Um, but the biggest matchup to me is C.J. Stroud had a 71% completion rate with a clean pocket, a 40% completion percentage under pressure. Stetson Bennett was very similar with those numbers, but he was only sacked seven times this year. Ohio State, I don't think, is going to have an answer for Jalen Carter, and he's once again going to be he is going to be the difference maker in this game. He's going to keep CJ Stroud running for his life on his toes, which is going to then lead to mistakes. Um, and if that's the case, uh, we 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 take home a Peach Bowl victory. Well, I, well, let me ask you this, Lawrence, um, playing a little bit of devil's advocate, just to see kind of what we're thinking. The quarterbacks that have given us problems in the past have been the ones that are mobile. Yeah. Um, so if we flush Stroud out of the pocket, which I think that you're right, that we will be able to do, if we don't get him on the ground, how does that look on the he's outside? He's not a runner, though. Yeah, he, he, he's, he, Bryce Young is more dangerous outside of the pocket than C.J. Stroud is. Now, he does have wheels if he gets flushed, um, but that's going to be up to our, our outside linebackers and even some of these safeties up, cheating up to try and keep him from, from getting loose. Uh, but as you saw against LSU and Jaden Daniels, who's so, you know, probably you know, he's a little bit taller, but also a very mobile quarterback, like he couldn't get away. Jamie I mean, Jalen Carter ate him up, and maybe he wasn't hundred percent in the SEC championship game, um, but he he just couldn't get away. Hendon Hooker, I think, is also a quarterback that has some mobility. He couldn't get away. Um, Jalen Carter is just—he's a man amongst boys. He, he's as Gans likes to say, as close to Aaron Donald as it gets in the college game. Yeah, this matchup. Also, defense them on offense. I think plays better than a you know a LSU. That to Larry's point, the the mobile quarterback is a little bit of a thorn in the side for us. Uh, and, and what I was listening, I think it was Coach Don, and listening to one of his podcasts. Basically, there's just way too much on the inside linebackers' plates, right? Um, we, we like to obviously play lockdown corners. I think you're going to see Keeler and go against um, Marvin Harrison, both big bodies. Uh, and, and then, you know, let the linebackers play. The, the inside linebackers are able to sit back. They don't really have to worry about, you know, spying somebody or, or, or watching the uh, the quarterback. So I, I honestly, and I might be getting ahead of myself here, but I think that uh, from a pass game perspective, it's similar to Tennessee. It's not going to be as fast paced. And I think Tennessee at the time we played them is better than Ohio State is today. Um, so if that 
gives you a little perspective into sort of my mindset. I'd like to delve a little deeper into the Ohio State-Michigan game. Since we're talking about the Ohio State defense, I do think they probably learned a lot from that game in terms of not giving up big plays. I think uh, Knowles, their first-year defensive coordinator, may have rolled the dice a few too many times with safety blitzes and just kind of some strange coverages that broke down and, and gave up those big plays. That game was actually a lot closer than you think. The The score looks like it, they've got boat raced, but with half a quarter left, it was within one score. And they had five, was it four touchdowns of 69 yards or more. And I didn't just choose that number arbitrarily. They had their first touchdown pass of 69 yards and they had another one of 45 yards. And then the 75-yard the run and the 85-yard run were right at the end, right after uh, Stroud's two interceptions, which were really dumb plays. I think they got really rattled. Um, there was a, a drive that I would say is the big turning point of the game. They were they had great field position after a punt. Ohio State had it on the Michigan 48. They get a 23-yard passing play to the 25 but gets called back for holding and this idiot G Scott headbutts a guy out of bounds. So they get literally 50 yards different from where they were. They're back on their own 25 instead of Michigan's 25. And they never really recovered. I think Stroud got ra- got rattled by that and he was playing from behind and he, he's not real good um, in terms of clutch. I think he's good when he's calm and composed, but if he's on the run in terms of, you know, behind on the scoreboard or just on the run from our monsters on defense. Um, he's going to get rattled and make mistakes. Well, I think that's why um, we've got to keep our foot on the gas during the entire game. I mean, I think we'll jump out quickly to a lead. And then I want to see us not do what we did versus LSU and just kind of go to sleep for the second half to, to Gans's point. Like let's empty out the playbook. There's nothing left to hold up in one more game. Um, keep the pressure on, right? And what you were saying, Tom, about the Ohio State-Michigan game, I mean, I take that one step further and look at the only common opponent we have over the last however many years. I know it was last year, but the Michigan team is pretty similar in terms of the way they play. So were we, and we just destroyed them within minute one of that game. Um, so that that's, that's kind of what I keep going back to, is saying we had no problem with that Big Ten-type offense, that Big Ten defense, those kind of players – why should we think Ohio State's We have so many advantages this week, too. I mean, just, just little things, right? Playing in the bands for the third time this season. Like, look, I know the field's 100 yards, right? But there's advantages there. Just the staff, the support staff, what they know. The fact that, you know, Athens is only 60, 70 miles away. That's huge. The support within the city of Atlanta. It's almost not fair to Ohio State. Um, it, it is a massive advantage, and it's good to be king. Yeah, you know, you talk about the the Michigan Ohio State game, you know, being a close game except for four plays. I mean, it is what it is, right? If you take that into account, yeah. Ohio State barely beat Penn State because they were losing until the last two minutes of the game, and then had a couple like quirky plays and ended up winning by double digits. Um, so I don't really put too much stock into that. Um, you know, it is. It, it, I mean, it's not going to be a ninety ten split like maybe the SEC championship game was after LSU lost to A and M. Uh, but it will be, you know, we will have a home field advantage, probably 60-40, I think, playing in the bends. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think things line up very, very nicely for us. Yeah, I was thinking like two to one, something like that, 60-40, you know, two-thirds, one-third, something like that. Yeah, quite frankly, the key to the game really is it's us. Does, do we control the football? Do we have, have limit mistakes, limit turnovers? 
Um, and if so, we win. I think the biggest key to the game and the biggest mitch, the biggest mismatch is our coaching staff versus theirs. You give Kirby, you give Boom, you give our guys the three weeks we've had to, to prepare. And I just have all the faith and confidence in the world that they will have whatever game plans needed. Coach Day, I don't know what, don't know yeah. much about him. Uh, I think one of y'all might have said he's the kind of guy that, you know, hits a triple and whatever that saying is, born on third base. And I, I'm messing that saying up. But you know, what I'm trying he, to He tried say. to sell me a timeshare um, in uh, Cancun earlier this week at Del Boco Grande. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, what do we know about him? I mean, do we do we do we trust him? In a he's big a Ryan. Day- oh, I'm sorry, Ryan Day is a Chip Kelly disciple. So if that tells you, you know, anything you need. He, he played for him at New Hampshire. I think uh, Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator. Then sort of followed him around a little bit. Uh, he's been in the NFL. He's been in college. Um, you know, known for again those prolific offenses, much like Chip Kelly, but not much on the other side of the ball. And he's got probably the worst beard in the beard game. <laughs> it looks a little bit Hollywood Hogan-esque, yeah, right? Shoe, shoe polished on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel I feel like when they hired him, they promoted him from within, right? Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, so I yes. feel like he was always just sort of a, a place filler, placeholder, before they could find a real replacement, and they just haven't gotten around to it because he's been winning more or less. I mean, he hasn't won the big one, but um, yeah, I'm not sold on him. I don't think he has the intensity of an Urban Meyer, Saban, you know, certainly Kirby Smart. I don't think he's, don't think he's has the discipline. I mentioned that guy headbutting the, the uh, Michigan player out of bounds. Like you can't have those kind of things that just turn a game around where you're just being a bonehead and it comes from the top down and we don't put up with that kind of stuff. And, he just looks like he doesn't have control of the team. And like like we've been saying, the talent, I think, that they've had year over year just because of their pedigree um, has kept them in the mix, kept them relevant. I don't think it's the coach. Yeah, he was – in fact, going back to, to Thompson, he was promoted. Uh, this, By the way, I didn't know all this. I did a little research. Uh, it sounded like he was about to leave Ohio State to go to the Titans as the offensive coordinator or something like that. So it was almost like, all right, well, we'll, we'll make you you know, sort of interim coach to stay. Then they just kind of rolled with it. Um, but he, he was the interim coach when Urban was suspended for the year, right? Yeah. And then Urban came back. He took his role as OC. And then as soon as Urban decided to, you know – retire for a year for family and personal health issues, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, then he took over the head job. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not a huge fan, you know, whether he looks like it support or selling timeshares <laughs> or whatever. Um, he, I just don't know if he's going to last at Ohio state. We mentioned the Ohio state players missing the game. Uh, Papa Grani 99, you always have your finger on the pulse of butt smear. Everybody knows somebody. You seem to know a lot of people. What's our health outlook looking like heading into um, this game? Seeing as I haven't read or heard anything, um, you know, there was all this gossip about you know McConkey with what's it like a partial tear of his MCL. I haven't read or heard anything. Uh, I think these guys can be ready to go. Now McConkey may not be a hundred percent, but you know, I'll take eighty percent Lad McConkey anytime with everything else that we have lined up. Uh, McClendon with the MCL sprain as well. Um, I mean, are we really, is it that big of a drop off to put a Marius Mims back in there? So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, other than that, I think we're going to have a healthy squad out there. Yeah. They just got to Atlanta today. Um, and I think they have a practice probably right now. Um, so you'll, you'll start to hear and, and media is allowed in the practice, I think for 15 minutes, a couple of times this week, which Kirby usually doesn't do. So more things will leak out. Um, in terms of the health, but we should be fully healthy. We should be ready to roll. 
AD Mitchell will be back. So we, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna be ready to rock, man. You know, the, since we're talking injury report, just to flesh out what I was saying at the, at the open, <clears throat> Travion Henderson was not their leading rusher uh, on the year. It's Mayan Williams, and he is he was limited uh, in the last few weeks of the of the season by injury. I think he's he's healthy and ready to go now. Uh, they got this other guy, Trainum, and a youngster named Dallin Hayden that gave them some really good runs in the Maryland game, which was <laughs> it was closer than it should have been for a, a top four team, um, but. But they've got three running backs that can fill uh, what Henderson would have been doing. And, you know, Marvin Harrison, I don't think he's he's the only. I think he gets double covered pretty much every play. And Fleming and Ibuka get, get some pretty good plays. So, and they're all good. Um, that's why I was saying. Yeah, they're good. They've got, they got good receivers, good running backs. I think they're going to they're gonna try to work the edge, right? They're going to run off tackle outside. They're going to do bubble screens to avoid that havoc um, from Jalen Carter and, and friends up front. But, um, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think their injuries are the, as big a deal as as it might hear. I, I hope our players don't think, oh, well, their stars are out. So, the, you know, we're going to roll. The other thing with Ohio State and the Big Ten in general, we've talked about this previously, is it, it's Michigan and Ohio State and that's it. They're really – I mean, Penn State kind of flirted. They thought about being decent this year, but then – they really weren't that good. So they, ha- you know, you look through their schedule and they haven't played a ton. Where I'm going with is this: they're not used to just the size, strength, and speed of of Georgia. Uh, really, nobody is. Nobody in college football is. I- I'm in Dallas and I uh, went by SMU yesterday, and Memphis, I believe it was Memphis, was practicing for the bowl game. They look like high school kids compared to our team. You know, I sat I sat along the field and watched. And I'm like, this could be a high school. Georgia is so big, strong, and fast. It's it's an embarrassment of riches. I saw a uh, somewhere on Twitter in the last week or so that exact kind of dialogue going down and about the Big Ten and strength of schedule and who they played. And some Ohio State guy was beating their chest about yeah. Iowa. And apparently, Iowa at the time they played was some high ranked defense or something or other. And they put up fifty plus on Iowa, so that's that's what Ohio State would say in response to what you just said, which I think is I, complete I'd, bullshit. I'd say the old whatever the expression, "fuck around and find out." <laughs> Fuck around and find out. All right, so do y'all remember Hawk Harrelson from the Chicago White Sox? Remember the announcer? You can put it on the board. Yeah. Yes, he used to do his uh, pick to click before each game. So let's go around and go around the screen. You get one player. Who's your pick to click? We'll start to my immediate left, Papa Grande. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go chalk here. I'm going to say uh, Brock Bowers is going to have about six or seven receptions, go over 100 yards, and find Pater maybe twice. What? Uh, give me Arian Smith. I'm going to pick the uh, the guy who hasn't really had a chance to shine this year. Uh, the the guy in that Michigan game that really blew probably four of those long touchdowns. Um, is ransom at safety? He can't run with with Smith. There, there's just no chance. Um, so he's going to have, I think, three three long catches over 50 yards. I'm going to take one on the offense and one on the defense because it's effectively two separate games. On offense, I'm going to go with Ad Mitchell. Similar thought process as Tom, but I think Ad is going to be the guy. And on defense, I'm going to go with Keely Ringo uh, to lock down one of the Marvin Harrison Jr. Don't last See, this look, dude, yeah. You steal my pick. You steal my pick. Yeah. You take two. What did I say? I, Gans like has no. He rules no for rules. me, not rules for one. the Gans. Santa Gans. He's he, he, yes. up his own game he, as he goes along. He, 
He takes two with the second one, steals mine. I, I agree with you on Ringo. I think Kirby says, look, dude, you have two more games to show out. Go get your top 15 money. Everybody says Marvin Harrison is going to be the man in this game. He's, on, he, he's, he's you. Like the old uh, Hoosiers. I don't know what color, what flavor right. gum he's chewing. I'm with you on that one, Ray. Yeah, smart yeah. We, we watched uh, we watched Big Daddy last night. It reminded me of what's the name of this game again? I win. Gans <laughs> just makes up his own games. It's good to be the king. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's do scores then. We'll go the opposite way. Gans, I like something score. in the range of 38 to 20. You're gonna do one score too. No, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. Scores. Yeah, I, I do Tom? have some butterflies. Maybe it's the inner months in. Maybe it's just that it's really hard to go undefeated. You know, fifteen and zero. This be fourteen and zero. Very hard to repeat. But I, I, I can't go against the dogs. I still got to pick the dogs. I agree with our number being thirty-eight. I'm going to give them a little bit more. Thirty-eight, twenty-four. So, oh boy, the public. Wagering currently is very heavy on Georgia at minus six and a half. However, the line hasn't moved since the game was announced, which I find to be very weird. Um, I'm leaning that it's going to be really close to the number. Um, I'm picking it, but well, the other part that's interesting is the over is also over of 62 and a half is also very heavy public wager. So I think, um, I think the under is the play. And I think I'm calling the dogs 31-24, like right at the line, right at the number, um, and it's going to go under. I, I kind of tend to think the same way you are with a, with a lower score. I think the dogs cover. I've got 27-13. Um, again, I think that we're going to come out and, and score early. I just want us to keep our foot on the gas. That's all that I want is just keep, keep going. So, um, all right, Michigan-TCU, that's the 4 o'clock game. We're all going to be around watching it. Do we uh, have we spent any time looking at that game, Tom? Have you have you analyzed TCU? Wait, I know the Gans knows this TCU, but let's, you got anything on that game? Yeah, I've, I know. Yeah, Gans has watched a lot of games. I've looked a little bit at the numbers. Um, TCU's defense, uh, in terms of scoring defense, is ranked 57th in the country. Uh, I think that's going to really hurt them. They've had a lot of close games this year. I think five of their games were one score games including the, the championship game that, that they lost. And then they had three more that they won by 10. So really eight close games this year. And they've had the the horseshoe crammed up the frog's butt. Um, I, I think their luck runs out. Um, and I think Michigan wins running away. Yeah. I, I, so, so I have watched a lot. Uh, listen, gun to my head, I think Michigan's going to win the game. They're going to try to – TCU, TCU um, is is explosive on offense. Um, they like to score. They like to throw the ball around. Uh, Michigan's going to try to slow them down. If they do, it could get ugly. Um, could TCU win this game? They could. Don't think they will. I think Michigan probably wins by 10 to 14. It, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Bama Cincinnati game last year. Just kind of not not a lot of talk about it. It's you know the non Power Five team coming in, um, and I don't think Michigan shows a lot. I think it's going to be a boring game. It's going to be like a twenty four ten type snoozer uh, with Michigan winning. I don't really think TCU has much of a chance. Did, did Larry just? I'm going the opposite <laughs> side with you three. Um, I like Sonny Dykes infinitely more yep. than I like Harbaugh. I like Max. Is it Duggan or Dugan? 
Duggan infinitely more than I don't even is it McCarthy McNamara like I'm the other quarterback. McNamara right was now. last year, McCarthy this year. Um, I like a Horn Frog better than a Wolverine. So co- color You're- me purple. I want to see Gans's relatives out in. Southern California, January, first week of January. So give me I hope they win. You're going full hypnotoad. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm rooting for them. I hope they win. And also, it, it, we would beat them by 30. Um, I've watched them so much, and I'd love to have that. Uh, but I'm good either way. I'm happy to beat uh, the Big Ten and the Big Ten. Two, two points on what y'all just said. I think, Larry, did you just kick the Big 12 out of the Power Five? Which is probably they're falling, they're <laughs> good. Good apart. catch. They well, I said they reminded me of a Cincinnati team, and the Big Twelve yeah. may as well be out of the out of the Power Five once Oklahoma and Texas are gone. Yes, and I think Stein. I think you mentioned Gans's relatives, including Duggan. Right, he's the ginger. Yes, the gritty ginger will give you a, a puncher's chance every time. That's so right. They do have a chance. I, I don't think they. I don't think they win. All right, I'm saying the over under at five quarters of football. Over or under, you've watched more than five quarters of a bowl game, of combined bowl games so far this bowl. Over. But I'm on the road, not in my own house, and I've been going to bars by myself a lot. I'm under. I think think I'm at part of one quarter. Yeah, I am uh, under as well. I think I've caught bits bits and pieces while, you know, happy hours and whatnot, but I have not sat down to watch a full game yet. I'm way under. I'm way under the, to the tune of like I can count on how many plays I've seen. Lawrence, we were somewhere the other night where a game was on in the background. Uh, I think it might even be an SEC team that was playing. I could care less. Are there any of these games that y'all are, are interested at all in even checking to see the next? So day the bowl matchups this year are are terrible. Combine that with the transfer portal and the opt outs for the NFL. There's really no intriguing matchups. I think the only one I'm kind of interested to watch, and I probably still won't even watch it, is Tennessee-Clemson. Yeah. Um, it just gets to the point where like, we're at the point now where the bowl games are even more meaningless than they were prior, and that's, again, why the, and the, why the playoff expansion, I think, will just add a little bit more intrigue to postseason. Football. Well, tell that to Billy Napier, who decided to kick a field goal with 40 seconds left when he was down 30 nothing. To uh, So bowls mean things. The Beavers. That's, he kept his score. The Florida Gators' scoreless uh, streak was intact. That's so bush league. So uh, I will watch UNC Oregon. Yeah. Uh, obviously, for familial reasons, I think that might be a pretty good game. Uh, the folks around here believe they're going to get blown out by uh, Bo Picks <laughs> and, and the Flying Ducks, but you know I think they got a good shot. I think Drake May coming back uh, has has you know. Should should be good for the for the heels here in Chapel Hill. That, did, I, did I read that Bo Nix was granted yet another year of eligibility to play football at Oregon? Yeah, he's coming back. I know that, that much. Yeah. That, and that's the best thing about and I've, NIL as a whole um, podcast on its own. But that is kind of the cool thing. It's someone like like again. I don't. I actually love Bo Nix. I hope he stays forever. But this is a guy who typically would have gone on tried to you know tried try to catch on with the team, maybe a practice squad. Same thing with Stetson Bennett. You know, if there was an NIL, Stetson, I don't think would be back here this year, right? He's Stetson's probably making seven figures in Athens. So that's, that's one of the advantages. There's a lot of crappy things with NIL, but I think that that's kind of cool. Um, and I, Hey, Dabo, Dabo started the uh, NIL before NIL was even a real thing. Sweet Jesus. 
Uh, the, uh, that's correct. I, in, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that was, I did read though about Drake may talking about, uh, UNC and, and I guess he had put his name in the portal and there, there, there's a lot of tampering going on. Um, you know, allegedly he was offered 5 million bucks by a couple of schools and ultimately got, I, you know, I, I put very little stock into all that, uh, because I think a lot of the NIL numbers we've heard are, are total garbage. Um, I, I think they're just exaggerated. But nonetheless, like they've got to fix some of the shit. Uh, he did. Uh, Drake May did say the five million dollar number that was thrown around was BS. Right. Uh, that, that that wasn't a true number. Right. Uh, but you know, there's there's rumors. I mean, there's all sorts of tampering going on. Whether it's from these some of these kids that are about to commit or just committed and signed this week. You know, we've heard rumors that maybe Arch Manning was putting calls into AD Mitchell and, and offering him you know, some sort of NIL deal to go join him at Texas after the year. Um, There's got to be, yeah, I'm with you. There has to be some sort of limit or regulation around it. It can't just be the Wild West. Um, We're in college football free agency, and it's really, it it takes away some of the intrigue and interest to signing day because these guys could sign this past Wednesday, and then this upcoming Monday they can decide to go put their name in the portal. Yeah. I think the the timing of it all, too, just makes for, a lot going on during these few weeks in the college football season. It's almost like too much at one time, which might add to why the bowls, no one cares because there's national signing day, there's the portal, there's the playoffs, there's the Heisman, there's a lot going on. Um, I, I y- y'all know me. I don't follow recruiting that closely. I do follow how the class does the individual parts. I don't get as wrapped up in, but we did sign another top two class. I think it's worth noting a little bit if there's some names that jumped off the page at y'all. I know that we got two, uh, two big time receivers from the portal, what we got, uh, at Ra Ra in that one and then, um, love it the other. So that's just great loading up the wide receiver room. But, um, real quickly, if y'all have some thoughts on the recruiting class, I don't follow it like, uh, some How of our do? friends do. I, I mean, I, I, it gives me something to read. It's just, just looking at it. I know nothing about any of these kids except what the guys on rivals tell you. Um, but the, the defensive hall is just absolutely insane. You know, if, if, if any of these stars are correct, you know, we got a big guy in the middle. We got a couple of defensive ends. Like what's going to be on the, the front seven next year just should be absolutely insane. Even losing Jalen Carter, which is easy replaceable, but just the amount of, the amount of uh, talent they brought in the past two years. We got a kid with the nickname Big Baby who's going to be coming in playing defensive line. So that to me is a win. Um, also, you know, assuming that uh, Stetson moves on to bigger and better and doesn't sign another contract extension yeah. to play quarterbacks, even though we did not sign a quarterback this year, um, obviously there's still some op- options and opportunity in the portal if we decide to go that route. Uh, but whoever comes in under center next year uh, is going to have four of the top 14 pass catchers from the SEC in that wide receiver room, and that doesn't include A.D. Mitchell. We're not sure really what he's going to do at this point. Um, but that wide receiver room and tight end room is going to be absolutely stacked for whether it's Gunnar Stockton or Carson Beck. Uh, I don't really think it'll be Brock Vandergriff, but uh, whoever's playing quarterback next year is going to have, again, an embarrassment of riches. Yep. What you said there about A.D. Mitchell, you said not sure what he's going to do. Is he is he thinking of – Those are the rumors. There, there, there's gossip that uh, Texas is dangling a big NIL carrot out there for Oh, him. yeah, you mentioned that Arch Manning. You know, we, we didn't take a quarterback this year. We went all in on Arch Manning. But uh, there's uh, – I think Dylan Rayola, Dominic Rayola's son, is like the number one rookie. Supposedly he's this generational talent. And, and he was committed to Ohio State. He's next year's class. And it looks like the dogs have the inside track there. So, uh, you know – that, that could be interesting as well. Speaking of, of quarterbacks not, ta- not taking one, I posed this question to y'all before this season. 
whether the the quarterback for the 2023 version of the Georgia Bulldogs is currently on the roster. And I still think the answer is I don't know. I would I would tend to say that quarterback is not on the roster, um, but it's another interesting, you know, kind of subplot to all this NIL stuff is that we, I mean, Drake Mays, Tom, you brought up at one point would be perfect to come to Athens, but I mean, we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. Well, May, um, May bleeds Carolina blue. Obviously his, his brother Luke won a national championship on the hardwoods. Um, he's, he's not like he's from the projects. He's from Myers Park, Charlotte. His family is well off. He's going to make fucky money in the pros, regardless of where he plays. Like he doesn't need to transfer. Um, he's going to be a legend. Yeah. In, in North Carolina. So why would you transfer regardless of what the NIL money is? Um, I, I don't know that there's going to be another round of quarterback carousel when the portal opens again after spring practice. Uh, I kind of feel like if you were going to get one, you got to get it now. Um, some of our um, rivals have done pretty well picking up uh, quarterbacks out of the portal um, this go round. So I would, I'm not trying to remember Kentucky got, Leary and uh, Florida got um, Mints. Yeah, they got Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. I can Mertz. I can tell you right now that Florida fans are not very yeah. happy with that. Uh, I don't. And good for you, Florida. Go go ahead and get a quarterback who wasn't even good at handing off the ball at a at a school that runs the ball seventy five percent of the time. I, I think I do think that it's going to be back. Uh, I think it's probably going to be back the starting quarterback next year. He's been in the system for you know how many years now. Uh, he was highly recruited. He looks the party, six foot four. He's got a, a calf tattoo that kind of bothers me. Uh, but you know, or or Vandergriff or Gunnar Stockton. Um, I think you, look look what Munkin did with Stetson Bennett. Right? You don't think he could do something like that with a six foot four, two hundred twenty pound guy? Um, I, I just don't. I don't think that we're going to go to the portal. But who knows? I'd like to see Gunnar Stockton under center in the fall. No, no real reason other than I think he's got a great yeah. name and no uh, yeah, he broke tattoo. a lot of records that, no, <laughs> that I know of. I haven't been in the locker room like you, Gans, behind yeah. the scenes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of. I think uh, Beck will come out of spring practice as QB one, uh, but going into fall, I hopefully I think Stockton has a chance to win the win the job. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to see a little bit of a, a quarterback rotation until I kind of figure out a solidified number one. But I think the starting quarterback is currently on the roster. Time will tell. So, Lawrence, who, who's this uh, Jalen Carter 2.0 that's coming? Big baby, Big baby Hall. I think Jordan Hall. No idea where he's from or, or what his career is. Uh, but we, we signed two massive dudes for the interior of the defensive line. Jamal Jarrett, I think, is from your neck of the woods, led up in Carolina, uh, who's Jordan Davis 2.0, and then Big Baby Hall. We signed more kids. Now, I would have I, I would have thought that you would have made mention to – was it Glenn oh, Davis, Glenn, big baby the, Davis, the basketball yeah. player out of LSU? Wasn't he a former he big was, baby? Uh, yeah, what a power forward out of LSU. Had a, uh, a nice run with the Celtics in the NBA. Yeah. So we signed more kids out of Florida this year than Georgia. Um, I think it was like 10 out of Florida. Uh, and I, I don't really care. You know, <laughs> It doesn't bother me. But just you, you look back years when, when Rick was here. And, you know, if you signed 25 kids, 20 were from Georgia. And Georgia is one of the top high school, you know, uh, states in, in terms of producing talent. But uh, it's just a national program. We got another kid out of Las Vegas again, and and we're all over the map now. Kids want to come to Georgia. We got Samuel Mbappe and Pemba out of St. Right. Louis. 
uh, who's I think supposedly like the crown jewel of this class, one of the top rated kids. Um, you know, once again, top to bottom, just a lot of talent that's going to be coming in. Who knows what that means? Who knows if any of them will ever see the field in red and black, right? Because I'm sure some of the kids that even signed last year are probably going to hit the yeah. portal after the playoffs. Um, and we just we just reload. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. And I think next year's class, the 2024 class, is supposedly going to be a little bit more focused on in-state talent. Um, you know, you kind of go after what – we're Georgia. We can go after whoever we want, wherever they live. Uh, but we're going to probably – I think next year's class has a little bit more in-state um, heavy commitments. I'm just glad we're – did you mention Mbappe? I'm all in on anything that's Mbappe right yeah. now. Yeah, we got we got a I think is an edge rusher, Samuel Mpemba, who we I call, I'll call him Mbappe. Mama call him Mpemba. I will call him Mbappe. He's six five, <laughs> two sixty five. I'll call him whatever he tells me to call him. <laughs> I'm just happy we're, we're all right, boys. Um, championships and not recruiting championships these weeks. Sure. I didn't know if there was going to be that's a Jimbo of the week, but I nominate our our former. Defensive coordinator Dan Lanning. Yeah, he's we've he's got he got one on the last one, on the last episode, I believe. No, no real Jimbo of the week because I haven't watched enough football this week. Um, but I think when we do the recap and uh, you know our victory um, uh, celebration next week, uh, we, we'll definitely have one. Dabo gets my vote for Fair. Jimbo of the week with his NFL. Fair, yeah, that that well, that's for sure. You know what I'm talking about, no, yeah, right? Smoking Lanning a cigar, smoking a cigar, yeah. celebrating the number seven. Today was a good day video. playing in the background. Um. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty lame. All right, boys, good stuff. We've got a few days. Looking forward to the game. Uh, final words. We'll go around again, left to right. Papa Grande. Hey, man, final I'm word. just excited for New Year's Eve to get here. Um, watch us take down another Big Ten team and punch our ticket to Los Angeles. Um, ready to go, guys. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to all. And uh, it's been a fun season, a last call, man. I hope we can keep this thing running. The last time Ohio State backdoored their way into the, the playoff, uh, they were shut out 31 to nothing in the semis. Uh, here's here's to running that back on Saturday night. I'm excited that we got a backdoor comment in um, at the last minute. But uh, it's going to be fun not having to bring out our jackets um, and maybe maybe shorts and a golf shirt to watch the national championship this year rather than earmuffs and uh, gear that I don't own. Amen to leaving the stocking caps and big puffy jackets at home. Although Lawrence loves a nice purple puffy jacket. I just like to be warm, Josh. I just like to be warm. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, boys. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thank you all for listening. Hope everybody has a great rest of 2022 that's capped off with the dogs kicking some ass in the Peach Bowl. As always, keep chopping in. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.